Welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is Wednesday, October 3rd, and boy, do we have a treat for you. We'll be talking with Chuck Kennedy about who is going to be the 2018, well, I don't want to use the term player of the year, and you'll find out later during the podcast, but who will have had the best season in 2018. We go on a lot of tangents about power rankings and world rankings and ratings and player of the year and the pro tour and the national tour and the men and the women and all sorts of good stuff. So if you like numbers, this is your episode. Hello, everyone. I am joined by... uh Raider of the Tossed Ark, Chuck Kennedy. Hello, Chuck. How are you today? I'm doing great there, Steve. How about you? I'm doing really well. The purpose of our conversation today, we've got three big events and a bunch of smaller events to finish out the season. And uh, one thing that comes up this time of the year in our circles is who had the best season. And uh and I said, there's really only one person that I'd want to talk to when I'm trying to build an argument to uh, to discuss with my buddies, and that person is you. So thank you very much for being the, the stats guru that you are. I'll do what I can. <laughs> and with, with that intro, um, the place that I want to start, let's start on the men's side, and I want to know from you, so far, if the season ended right now, so far, who, who are the top two or three or four guys uh, that are that are having a good season and could be argued to have the best season of the year so far? Well, I would say if you were taking a look at, you know, significant wins, um, you know, you have, um, have Macbeth and Eagle McMahon as having a good run of wins. Um, and, you know, Eagle had, uh, you know, stumbled at one of the big events. And so um, it, it would be hard to call his cumulative season necessarily the best. Uh, you know, would you consider the top-rated player in the world someone who actually finished where he did in the world? I mean, you know, that's <laughs> just sort of, a limited amount of data that we have, you know, in terms of big events in the year to uh, draw our conclusions. Um, but, you know, Macbeth has, uh, you know, had a solid year. He's had some record years, a couple rounds over 1,100. But, you know, Ricky Wasaki, even though he hasn't logged the wins, has had a, a solid season. Um, and, you know, he's poised to potentially – you know, lock it up with uh, Hall of Fame and USDGC. I, I mean, he's he's so much close to the finish line for the USDGC living in Fort Mill. Uh, you know, there was a, a note on that in the uh, PDGA today with regard to him knocking on the door there a couple times now and living nearby. And he also, think, you know, oh, if many of you recall, he won the PDGA championship at the um, IDGC and ha- uh, also won last year in the playoff with uh, uh with Paul. So, you know, he's got those two big events coming up and uh remind me what did uh was was Ricky the winner of the DGPT uh final last year or did Paul have that? Not not only did Ricky win the points championship last year, he also won the tour championship uh, now, if you only watched the first 17 holes of the final round, I can understand your con- confusion. Uh, but oh, okay. the, because they were tied going into the final hole, Ricky and Paul. And uh, okay, and Paul's uh, Paul's drive uh, kicked off an early tree, and he got in trouble early on hole 18, and Ricky was able to cruise to a, a two or three stroke victory, if my memory serves me right, just from that one last Ooh. hole. So. But uh, earlier you said that Ricky doesn't have a win this season, and I just want to clarify for people that are listening what you mean by that. Because, for example, the Utah Open and the Jonesboro Open might might beg to differ. What do you well, mean oh, by no, Ricky I, doesn't I, have a win? I, I, no, no, I, I guess uh, I, I misspoke on that. 
Um, there, he has had a lot of close finishes um, and not the dominating set of wins. Uh, so uh, I'll clarify that. Go. Yes, you're, you're correct. And he actually I just, has. I don't want to be called out and called out, you know, this early in the podcast. Later on, sure, when we get sloppy, <laughs> but not at the beginning. Right. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, I've got a couple of screens here, and I need to probably pull up the data on, on some of these to get down to the nitty-gritty detail. But, for example, in uh, the world ranking points, um, Ricky is far and away the um, uh, leader with better than a first-place finish in the best three out of X number of uh, NT events. So uh, uh, he's got... Um, compared to, say, Paul McBeth, who's sitting uh, with three points there. So 0.8 versus three points is sort of like finishing two places ahead on average within those events from a point standpoint. So, but yeah, and then, you know, Nate Sexton, um, kind of lurking in the weeds here. You know, Nate had the win at, at Ledgestone, and, um, you know, that's uh, uh had the highest number of out-of-bounds penalties per player per round of any event this year. Um, and Wait, say that, say that again, just so people – I don't think people will believe what you just said. Can you say that again? The Ledgestone event, based on the UDISC stats for penalties, had the highest number of penalties per player per round of any event of the uh, tour events this year. Okay, uh, USDGC hasn't happened yet, so there's, there's an opportunity there. Well, and, and one of the, um, you know, let's give credit to, to UDISC in this particular case because without UDISC, we wouldn't be able to track these kind of things to determine, um, you know, quality of courses, if you will, or type of courses, if you will. Um, you know, there was quite a bit of discussion this year about, you know, Nate being able to be maybe a little older and wiser and being able to sort of be the tortoise versus the hare playing a course like Ledgestone <laughs> that has a lot of, you know, a lot of Absolutely. And, and And the thing is, we don't have uh, – this will be the first year that we actually have uh, penalty tracking with UDISC at the USDGC. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, finally um, how it stacks up in comparison. Uh, you know, at least on a whole-by-whole -whole basis. We've had, um, I think with uh, Disc Golf World Tour, I was able to garner the overall penalties per player per round, but not on an individual whole basis. So <clears throat> that's what I'm looking forward to this year. So when I look at this this season, which which is – I would say has the most parity we've seen in a long time. As you, as you said, Eagle started out strong. Um, Paul uh, has managed to come on towards the end. Ricky has been consistently in the mix, but hasn't been on top, especially dominating as as we saw last year. So right now, if you had to uh, if you had to pick one player, who uh, in my opinion it's going to be one of those three. Uh, but who who among those three, or is there someone else, uh, would you pick right now uh, as as the the person who has had the strongest 2018 season? Well, I I guess I'd have to say um, you know Macbeth because even if he doesn't win, my guess is he may have higher finishes uh, to complete the season um, in the events upcoming. So. In other words, uh, that's kind of just guesstimating. But you know, if, if I yep. if I had to go to Vegas and put money on the line, um, I think I would probably go with Paul. But man, it's really tough. You know, when we uh, <laughs> asked, asked, me, asked me to do some stats uh, at the Minnesota Majestic a few years ago and make a prediction, it was pretty much, um, you know, either Paul or Ricky against the field. <laughs> Take your choice. And you know, and I think the funny thing, the funny thing, you you remember what happened at that event as well, right? Absolutely. It was exactly so, Ricky at the end in a tie break. <laughs> it was a you you said there's a 50-50 chance that Paul or Ricky will win or a 50-50 chance that somebody else in the field will win. And lo and behold, we go into a playoff with 
Ricky, who is among the Paul and Ricky camp, and then Nate Sexton, <laughs> who represents the everybody else camp. It was um, one of the single best predictions that I've ever seen in my life. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, well, that's good. Couldn't, I couldn't have played out better. Actually say that. We haven't had a chance to really chat, uh, at least, um, you know, publicly in such a way for uh, since that tournament. So, uh, cool. Cool well, that you remember well, that's that. what happens when someone makes a prediction that well. I have to just put years between myself and that prediction <laughs> before we're going to come back and do it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, so I, you know, I, I almost think it's, um, you know, the same kind of situation here where, you know, it's it's Paul and Ricky against the uh, against the field. Put it this way: um, if it's not one of them, you'd be hard pressed to not, you know, toss the hat to. Um, uh, well, let's just say, for example, you know, Barsby sweeps the you know the next three, or yeah, if uh, Sexton sweeps the next three, it would almost take something like that to probably knock them out. You know, unless. Either of those, uh, Ricky or Paul, have like a just a giant, you know, failure. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the I think the one person who could realistically catch them is Eagle. Um, Eagle leads the national tour. Yeah. What yeah. that? If Eagle if Eagle runs a table, you know, USDGC Hall of Fame, and uh, you know what? I didn't see Eagle. And Simon, I was looking the other day, and maybe they just haven't signed up yet, but I didn't see them on the list for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I was actually going to say if if Eagle or – not Simon, but if Eagle wins two out of the three, I think he has uh, he has successfully staked a claim at least for uh, season of the year. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know – the uh now, the question is is would it on a on a uh, comparative basis you know i would think do we do we still kind of consider um the so-called slam that uh paul had uh i think in 2015 is that still the benchmark season you know other than well, going a- all the way back to what 1995 is when they feel climo had his best year for example it's funny because I was going to go back to Climo. Um, I didn't know which of his 10 years uh, was the best, but uh, I would trust you and guess that 95 was a good one. I would guess that 94, 3, and 2 were also pretty darn good. Um, but uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah. To put it this way, it's probably a good three-year slot rather than just a year. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, one of Climo's best years versus uh, Macbeth's 2015 season um, we're nowhere near that kind of domination this year. And and in my opinion, it's fantastic that the, the cream is rising to the top and there is a lot of it. These guys, there's a lot of these guys that are all very, very good. Well, from uh, the uh, player of the year standpoint, um, our PDJ player of the year points uh, are need to be updated with the results from Delaware, and I think even Pro Worlds, I don't think, is in there yet. That'll be coming out for the ratings update coming here um, on Tuesday, a week from now. So, so uh, be- before we get to – I'm going to cut you off there real quick because I want to talk about okay. that. But um, okay. before we go to the women, let's let's talk about these – I think there's six different – realistic metrics you could use to say who is the best player in 2018. And the uh, the PDGA Player of the Year uh, is is one of those metrics. Um, you mentioned another, which is the world rankings. Um, another would be the PDGA ratings, uh, which is incorporated in, into the world rankings, I believe. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it's, yeah. There, although and, what people might not realize, that it is a... Um, a narrower set of data uh, for ratings. For example, if you if you notice uh, uh, in the September World Rankings update, uh, Ricky's actually higher than Paul um, by two points, 1047 versus 1045. And uh, the the World Ranking ratings uh, 
are a straight average of all of the round ratings in B tiers and higher. So leagues and C tier round ratings are not included. And there's no weighting okay. at all. You know, you know how we double weight the latest 25% for your regular PDJ player rating and we also drop rounds. That none of that, none of that cleaning up, um, happens for the ratings that are used for world rank players. We only calculate those ratings for those who are in the world rankings. Both men okay. and women. Okay. So, so, uh, so either way, so if I looked at the PDG ratings, that is going to be a little bit different than the ratings that go into the world ranking. Yeah, just it's slightly different. But what you can tell if, if you see the numbers are different, it means, you know, somebody somebody plays, you know, C tiers or leagues as part of their regular PDJ rating, and also um, if the rating, if their PDJ rating is higher, it may mean that they are improving because they got double weight for their more, more recent event. Correct. And if they're lagging, Absolutely. it might be that they're not. So, so either way, we we just go with a straight straight round rating average for the last 12 months. And and by the way, the other reason that that um, makes it a little bit uh, <clears throat> fairer for everyone is it's exactly the same 12 months. As, as you're probably aware, with your PDJ rating, it's your most recent 12 months. So if you haven't played for, for four months, you know, we're going to be going back 16 months for rounds that you have in your rating. Whereas with this uh, 12-month locked-in time period, it's only rounds that you played during the last 12 months, you know, uh, prior to the world ranking update. So, you know, for example, like your your people in Northern Europe, they might not even have a tournament until May. So, you know, unless you include a whole year's worth in there, they might not have any numbers in the last 12 months, you know, during the uh, first six months of the year, let's say. I'm just yeah. I'm just pointing that out. Yeah. You know that that's the reason that's the reason for the 12 month cycle, rather than just only looking at a particular tournament year. Yep. Okay. So that's, what I what I want to do is I want to look at these six systems and uh, sure. and see 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 how they see if they pass the the sniff test, and then uh, and I think when I was just looking through all six and it it feels like once you go through all six it's pretty obvious. Exactly what you're saying. Paul and Ricky uh, seem to be the names we hear all the time. So just going by ratings, uh, and these are not the ratings that are going in the world rankings. These are just standard ratings. Um, it's Paul Eagle and Ricky who are uh, five points ahead of Simon. Uh, so Paul Eagle, Ricky are one, two, three. Uh, in Player of the Year, it's uh, Ricky Eagle and Chris and uh, Chris Dickerson. And I. Think, am I correct in thinking that there's a um, there's a sort of a bonus built in, baked into that system if you play for participation? Is that would that well, be accurate? Well, what I would say the bonus is 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 B tiers. If uh, if you want to pad some points, you get five points for winning a B tier, and that's that's what creates sort of um, I don't know um, some frenzy at the end of the year. Uh, because let's say we, you know, post the, uh, player of the year points update around November 1st, let's say, hypothetically. You got two months left and there's not a lot of, you know, big events. Well, there, there are no majors and NTs at that point. So there are a smattering of A tiers here and there and, and B tiers. So, you know, if, um, you've got a couple players, whether, you know, two women or three women or two men, three men, you know, that are within, say, 20 points, all of a sudden they might be jockeying, is, is, is Ricky going to, to uh, you know, Swanee River? And <laughs> is yeah. Paul going here? And, I mean, so so there's kind of a, a, a craziness a little bit uh, when the players are close, and that's actually happened. I mean, it was uh, um, <laughs> just to show you uh, the, the weirdness of it, I uh, talked to Macbeth. I was at the Hall of Fame classic last year and you know paul um missed a putt in the playoff 
and and Ricky won the Hall of Fame tournament, but Paul had already won the tour points, you know, which was like, sure. I don't know what that was. Was that uh, ten grand or five grand or maybe it's five grand? So so he he told me he says, oh man, I forgot about you know player of the year points because he said I might have tried harder on that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little a little insight that uh the stats guy gets once in a while you know when you get to touch base with some of these players but uh, that was <laughs> that was kind that's of funny a, that's an interesting comment i've i've uh i i wonder how true that is uh i mean obviously at that level he was probably trying very hard anyway um well he just he he i think what it was is that he wasn't maybe as upset, you know, that he missed that putt in the oh, playoff. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it had been a long day, and they were already on, like, I think at least the third hole at that point. And, um, you know, he 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 uh, doinked a putt that, you know, tw- maybe a 20-footer that, you know, you would think he'd have on lockdown, especially since he was torching the course during the, the round up to that point. So, uh, but I think but he, he, he admitted, he said, well, I knew I had that five grand, and so maybe I wasn't staying as focused as as I could because it's like I was going to get good money for finishing second and had won the tour. So, but then, but then he goes, "Oh, dang! I forgot about those player of the year points." <laughs> so, uh, so player of the year is uh, is Ricky Eagle Chris, and it. It is uh, it is par- participation based, um, and that's a, that's an interesting and and a valid way to look at it. If you don't play, you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't earn points. But uh, that's so that's where that's where Player of the Year stands is Ricky Eagle Chris, and then we go to the uh, the PDGA World Rankings, and it's it's Paul Ricky and and Nate Doss. Um, right. Interesting. And, when I look at Nate yeah, Doss, obviously quality player, he played three majors this year. No, well, he played. Actually, I'm not even sure how to, how to read this. Um, adjusted round rating and then adjusted U.S. rating is an eight, and then European Open rating is a four, and then DGW. Those are rankings, but <clears throat> okay. So basically, okay. his U.S. his U.S. is the uh, U.S. DGC ranking from last year oh i see was eight was eight relative to the people that are in the standings so when people look at this and see you know oh I eight, see. yes if there was somebody who is not a world ranked player which unlikely in this particular case but but as you get further down in the rankings you'll see somebody who say um james conrad uh down in 22nd finished 46 he probably actually finished maybe 49th or 50th but there were three people not in the world rankings you know that i understand uh, allowed him to get a higher a higher rank in a way it's somewhat similar to what you're trying to do with the uh, power rankings where you're only including you know quality players or whatever whatever term you know was being used and so we've we had already been doing that in a in a sense where we didn't include people that weren't, in theory, quality players or essentially those over a thousand rating that were, you know, competitive in the world rankings. It is an interesting little conundrum where if you lose to a player, a 980 player who had the round of your of their life, uh, you know, should that count as a loss? It's it's a really interesting question, um, and you and I, it sounds like on that level, uh, both decided. For the sake of of simplicity and clarity, let's let's rank these players amongst each other. And come for us, it's how many wins and losses amongst each other. And for this, it's what place you got amongst the people in the rankings. So I can understand that entirely. The question I wanted yeah. to ask, though, is Nate Doss is third in these. Is there any kind right. of a uh, like he he only has you know the the U.S. Open, the European Open, and then the round ratings or the rating system, adjusted ratings. Is there any kind of penalty for only having three of the six possible metrics? At this point, um, 
the system is there's a penalty if you well first of all if you don't have anything other than ratings and your rating is above 1020 we still include you in there but you have okay. an 8 point but you have an 8 point penalty okay if you only if you, have ratings you, yeah and okay some of these players some of the players that are you know that are lurking in there um on some occasion are uh masters that um may not be playing open in as many events if you look down say at Barry Schultz um he at least played open in the worlds this year and that's partly because he was able to in the past you know he would have he would have played uh master because of a combined worlds so you know now what we're we're going to get a chance to see some of our um older players uh you know playing open in worlds because they were also able to play in master or even for that matter with climos turning 50 who knows maybe he'll play grandmaster worlds and open worlds so um so either way the here's here's the situation with with uh with Nate we don't we don't throw somebody out or lower their ranking until they don't have enough data that's active in the last 12 months put it that way so okay so um, so right now he's got three events plus his ratings which are based off of those three events and others and, and others yeah yeah well and yeah. and by the way this the player still has to have 12 rounds in B tiers or higher in the in the previous 12 months so okay. they still have to be active in some fashion. But here's what here's what'll happen. You know, if you take a look at what'll happen, see the world rankings ideally um are designed to also show a player's complete year. So here's what's gonna happen. You know, Nate doesn't play in the USDGC and he didn't play in Pro Worlds, so the year end rankings are really what I would say the best world rankings because it's the actual tour year and it's the full 12 months and uh, we don't do um, some of the time waiting. In other words, the time in the year uh, type of waiting, which is built into the world rankings currently. So, right. So, for example, the, the power rankings, as an event gets older, it becomes less valuable. So at the end of the season, the person who is ranked number one did not necessarily have the best 2018 season. They are just ranked number one at the end of the year. Um, we would need right. to do a separate calculation, and actually Nathan has talked about doing this, that would calculate who had the best 2018 season. And that, that is, as yeah. you're saying, that is a different metric that should not be, where each event should not be degraded. It should just be the entire season, everything weighted equally. Yeah, or and everything so, uh, not not devalued because of age. I say. So what'll happen is, if if you look at it this way, um, the world rankings show essentially players who are still a threat should they show up, and I think that's important to have in the rankings. You know, because um, we don't know until the event passes whether somebody is actually going to play an event or not. So if you're trying to make a judgment call on who might be, you know, winning the USDGC, if all of a sudden, you know, three days ago you saw Nate Doss playing and he wasn't in the rankings, was was ranked, you know, very low, you might be misguided, you know, by the stats that, you know, that he was he was actually a contender. And, of course, he's a former champion. So, so in a way, what happens is there's a little bit of a time drag in players who have had a top rating, and it gradually degrades as as time moves forward. So, for example, you see the European Open, which was last year, and yep. and and the DGW ranking; those are going to drop off um, from the stats 
very soon. And so he won't have those there. And he also, the USDGC will be replaced in, in a month. It'll be replaced with the standings from uh, this week. So all of a sudden, you're going to see Nate. Nate's going to be sitting there bare with only his rating in the standings, and that'll be an eight-point penalty. So if you take a look in the far right corner where the points are, sure. you've got 5.3. He'd actually jump to 13.3, and you see that that drops him down around 17th, 16th neighborhood. So, so I'm going to go ahead and just say something in in, in a month. <laughs> Nate's ranking is going to drop from five point th- from third to fifteenth or so, or a seventeenth or so, and he will not have even played. That seems a little odd, but uh, but well, I understand that things you know, and that's what happens when things drop off, and that's exactly why the power rankings are doing a different thing. We're 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 measuring who's number one right now. This is measuring who's number one over the course of a year. And also, who is a potential threat? Like, for example, um, is Nate in the power rankings? Uh, I'd have to check. Uh, Let me Um, see. No, Nate is not in the power rankings. He does not have enough data. Right. And so, all of a sudden, you look at the power rankings, and you would say, wait a minute. Nate Doss just signed up. I guess he's, you know, doesn't have a chance at the USDPC. Well, he really does. And so, in a way, that's just a difference. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just merely saying that the power rankings doesn't give you an indication of who might be a potential contender. If, for example, you know, we actually had some sort of fantasy leagues and gambling. Right. I mean, so I'm just saying that I I assume, but the goal. I understand what you're saying, but the goal of the power rankings is to say who is the best in the world right now. And I don't think there's any way anybody could argue that Nate Doss is the third best in the world right now because we absolutely have no data. Well, yes, you do because his because his uh, his rating hasn't suffered. I mean, his rating, but if you his, see that... <laughs> his rating doesn't suffer unless he plays, and he's not, he doesn't play. Uh, well, no, the thing is, he does. He has played in the last 12 months. His data is in there. I, I, I'd have to go and look and see what, you know, how many rounds that particular rating was based on, but um, he's still... Well, look, he's, 10, he's 1038. And, and he's played six events this year. There you go. But but remember, that I, that's not to say that he hasn't played, um, you know, potentially some B or A tiers in there. What? No, I'm looking at I'm looking at his stats. He's he's actually he's played five Ooh. events. He dropped out of the Memorial because he had a because uh, he hurt his back. Ooh. Um gotcha. But so he's he's played yeah. five events, and he hasn't he hasn't and played anything since June. During 2018. Yeah, yeah, during 2018, and and he hasn't played anything since June. And the, the the however the world rankings probably still includes his USDGC or is that is that one of the things listed? Yeah, I have, I'm not. It is it is listed, but it's it's okay. a it's a moot point. I think we understand, and I'm not going to debate that Nate Doss isn't one of the best players in the world. Uh, what I am going to say is that if somebody doesn't play enough events to give me data on them, I I'm not comfortable saying how good they are. Um, one thing that is being actually looked into for the power rankings right now, Nathan and I actually had conversations yesterday and today about how to implement this, is if somebody doesn't have enough data but they are very, very good, um, we want to we want to build in a uh, a penalty where, okay, you don't have enough data but you're good, so we're going to include you in the rankings, but there's going to be sort of a, a limiter on you. So, you know, based on how many what we call qualifying points you have. And uh, and so as your qualifying points re- approaches the threshold, the, the limiter gets smaller and smaller. So that person will naturally rise up the rankings as they get more and more data. So um, Nate Doss could mm-hmm. potentially be power ranked, but he would be much lower because he doesn't have enough data for us to be comfortable. And, and you know, it's your same concept of propagators at, you know, for determining ratings. 
Now, yeah, well, I think, in order in know, order to I not think... let you answer that, I want to ask you another question. <laughs> and and what the question I have for you in looking at the world rankings, I'm going to I'm going to do my best right now, okay, Chuck, I'm going to do my best to pick these things apart. Um when we talked about who is the best player of this season, basically Ricky, Paul, and Eagle are the three names that came up. Uh, when I look at your world rankings, Eagle obviously had a bad, for him, a bad world, uh, pro world. He got 37. Uh, Andrew Presnell, uh, who has only played pro worlds, um, got 12th. Uh, Andrew Presnell's ra- uh, rating is much lower than Eagle's. Um, and the two of them are basically tied in the power in the world rankings that you in this system that we have or that the PDGA has. Can you defend Eagle McMahon and Andrew Presnell being ranked basically the same? Uh, yes, I can. All yeah. right, this is I mean, your opportunity. <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's just let's just say. All you let's just say all the data you had was worlds, and you know you're laying a line in in Vegas. You know um, Presnell did better in worlds. I mean, you know, I will agree with you, and I will take that bet on you at USDGC, at the Tour Championship, and at if if Eagle goes to Hall of Fame and at the Hall of Fame, I will bet you that Eagle beats Andrew at all three of those. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. The thing, the thing that would, um, let's say that we were talking about, you know, handicapping. Would, would you the, take the other side of that bet? Just, just a second here. What I'm saying is, is that, that <laughs> I think, I, I think the thing that here's the thing that's missing, not in in every ranking system, and this is going to become abundantly clear as we get more and more data on uh, courses and their um, you know, OB punishment, if you will. Uh, and what we're going to find is that some players, it's almost like horse track. You know, uh, some people are mutters and some people aren't. And it's possible that you can trick out a course that will not be favorable to particular players' playing style. And, you know, you take a look here, you now have a situation where it's kind of confusing in a in a way if you take a look at um at Eagle and you have his 18th finish last year at USDGC which we know is, you know, lots of OB and Fox Run was definitely that type of a course. Uh but then again, you know, Eagle did well at um Las Vegas you know, which had a lot of OB. But the question is, Las Vegas might have been maybe more liberal as it related to landing areas for somebody who had the distance that Eagle and, say, Simon had. You know, you take a look. Simon, you know, to a lesser extent, you know, Simon tied um, Eagle last year at the USDGC and had 24th finish. You know, both both of those finishes, aren't both of those surprising to you? You know, yes, I mean, absolutely. the question is, you know, is, is you know, the course, I think, is going to end up mattering as much as a player's power ranking or player rating or whatever you want to call it, you know, in the same way that, you know, horse handicappers are, you know, is this guy a mutter or does it, does he, you know, run well on the rail, you know, depending on their random draw, are they close to the rail, not close to the rail? All those little subtleties that have nothing to do with how fast the horse is to start with. So, so you know, one one interesting thing, uh, uh, looking at Eagle in particular, uh, and compared, let's compare him to Simon. At, at Pro World, Simon beat Eagle by six strokes. On the final hole of competition, Simon beat Eagle by six strokes. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't misspeak there. Over four rounds, Simon won by six strokes, and on that one, on the 72nd hole, or actually I guess it was another 18, so in the 90th hole, um, 
Simon beat Eagle by six. He got a three on the last hole, and Eagle got a nine. So there was something going on on that final hole that caused Eagle to lose lose six strokes. And, in fact, I would argue lose seven or eight positions in his world ranking. I would, I would say that's probably the case. Now, I will say this. Um, I, I've recognized this issue for a while because um, we had a situation where um, Brinster, um, several years ago, had to uh, withdraw from USDGC. And the question came up, do we give him a DNF finish position, you know, which was something like 50th, and, you know, wreck his world ranking? Or if somebody DNFs, are they just not in the rankings? And so that particular situation came up to where DNFs now we don't include in the rankings. And if that's the case, um, it brings up the question of shouldn't we potentially drop, uh, you know, one of the majors? As long as a player has enough. I, I, I talked with uh, Jeremy Coling a couple years ago about this, and uh, he felt that, you know, since we only do best uh, three out of X for NTs and Euro Tour, tour events, and uh, that why why and we do the same thing for essentially disc golf world tour or dgpt which by the way is is back in the rankings your final r- rankings will be um back in the world rankings replacing the dgw ranking uh say say so that again your your final rankings this year it will in 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 november in November will be it will that column that is DGW now will be DGPT. Wow. Nice little tip of the top from Chuck Kennedy. Thank you, sir. The thing is, we've actually tried. Um, I've actually, you know, tried to put forth that proposal with the uh competition committee and um, I think uh, I think because of what happened, I to- I told them ahead of time. I said said you know this this isn't going to look good even if it's fair. You know by the way, there's other people that have had similar situations. Um, some of the years where we actually used the USDGC ratings, uh, you know, um, you you had I I think. Nate Doss might have finished like 18th or something, and he was, and that was a year after he had won it or some, something close to that. And, you know, there was, the USDGC has always had, uh, I would say a wider range of finishes from year to year than, uh, than most events. Okay. I mean, in other words, absolutely. You know, so, so it's all over the map. Uh, and so I guess, I guess the, the thing about it is, is we, we probably need to have one of those events dropped. You know, uh, what I was going to talk about before was the world rankings for golf. And the way they do it is, um, you don't get penalized for not playing, um, but you don't get any points. So, in other words, you know, you're, you, you continue to earn points as you go on, on tour. So, um, and, and it's a two year cycle. So in, say, Nate Doss's situation, if we actually followed, uh, the ball golf world, Nate would be staying in that high position for a while. Although he wouldn't be well, earning points, so there'd be people creeping past him by not playing. But, but in and, other words, I believe, I believe the value of older events does degrade uh, past 13 it, weeks. It, it yeah. does. It does. It's, it's a, a .25 every um, uh, every quarter, basically. So, and and we have a degradation factor that's not as steep within the world rankings for um, for 
uh, every three months for a year. So, so let's 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 close this out, this section out, and then let's move on to the last three metrics, and then see if we can make a. Uh, just you and I will just make a bold prediction: who's going to be the player of the year? Not the player of the year, the person who had the best 2018 season. Um, but before we get there, um, Eagle and Eagle McMahon and Andrew Presnell, uh, I presume, are both playing at the USDGC starting tomorrow. Um, uh, I will give you Andrew, and I will take Eagle. And according to the world rankings, it's basically a toss-up who's going to win between those two. Who would you you going to take that bet? Well, that's that's presuming that world rankings are a good forecasting system for the future. And I would say that none of our ranking systems um, are ideal yet because of the lack of um, performance linked to course type. Uh, I will agree with you about performance linked to course type being a significant shortcoming in all power rankings and all... I'll let you in on a little secret that that is something that we are working on with the power rankings. So it it can be sortable, uh, just like in tennis. You know, the the overall rankings, it's you know, it includes the clay, the grass, and the hard court. But we want to be able to sort out who's good on clay and in, in your terminology, the terminology, who's a mutter. So, but having said that, um, I would absolutely be willing to take a bet based on our power rankings as it is. Um, and, and say that, you know, I would bet that at the USDGC, Paul will beat Ricky and Ricky will beat Eagle and so on down the line. Um, right now we have Eagle ranked as the, the third, you know, as, as third in the power rankings. So, uh, that's, that's who I, I would, I would take that bet. And then we have, you know, Cameron Colglazer is fourth. So I would bet on him over anybody else. So, um, well, here's what I here's what I would here's what I would say if I were were looking at it and and as you recall going back to the majestic the only thing that was used there was the um uh was ratings. So if I'm going to, you know, go with my ratings, you know, that I would not I would not take that bet that even up. Now, but on the other hand, I would also take a look and say, well, Andrew obviously, you know, appeared to fare well on Fox Run, which is the closest, you know, course of the two, you know, to um, uh, USDGC. And so I I think it's hard to tell, you know, has has Eagle figured it out um, on the – USDGC type layout um or not yet. I mean it's it's almost one of those learning curve types of things and he's a young guy, you know, his uh his uh rational brain has still got a few more years of development based on the uh uh biology. So um you know, all we would assume is that he will be doing better each year. I mean, up to his potential. So Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so it's I mean, going to be I, fun to watch. And they are, I'll go ahead and say they are both improving their games right now. And it's going to be fun to watch them both. Last year, before Idlewild Open, I don't think, I would say 98% of people watching disc golf uh, didn't know who Andrew Presnell was. And then they saw him on the lead card, and he held his own. And now we're seeing him up there, you know, occasionally this season, and it's it's really fun. So, absolutely, they're both they're both on their way up. I want to move to the next three potential ranking systems. Let's do a quick recap. Okay. We've got okay. uh, on, on ratings, we've got Paul McBeth and then Eagle McMahon and Ricky are tied. On player of the year, we've got Ricky, then Eagle, then Chris Dickerson. In world rankings, we've got Paul, Ricky, and Nate Doss. And then we go to pro tour standings and national tour standings. Those are two other metrics. Arguably, those should be combined into one metric, but they're not combined yet. So in the Pro Tour standings, we have Paul, Ricky, and James Conrad. And in the National Tour standings, we have Eagle, Ricky, and Paul in that order. So really interesting. You know, Ricky and Paul, Paul's not mentioned in the uh, Player of the Year. Other than that, he's in everything. Ricky's in everything. Eagle is in most of the stuff. 
And then in the power rankings that the Pro Tour is developing is uh, is Paul, Ricky, and Eagle. So that's well. Here's the, here's what you've got. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, technic- technically, if you look at our the net column on the yep. world rankings, uh, if you look at that and go from low to high, you basically have the what we would consider the hybrid rankings that includes the Euro Tour and the National Tour. Not the DGPT, but at least those two, um, you know, PDGA-affiliated tours, if yeah. you will. So, so there you've got Ricky, and then it looks like uh, actually Eagle to right. drop down there. He's at 1.3. So we've got um, uh, Ricky, Eagle, and then Paul, and then it looks like we've got Simon. Yep. And I have a question for you real quick, uh, because on the national tour, Eagle was ahead of Ricky. Oh, that also includes some Euro events. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, and there's only four of them. There's there's only four. And, of course, you know, the reason we're doing that um, is it's the world rankings. And, and you know, we want to make sure that, that at, we can be as fair as possible in including um, international – um, international events and players in, in the standings. Now, here's what you have to consider, and this also is something that you uh done with the power rankings, is that the um, each of those events, we have a uh, strength rating that is based on the average rating of the top 15 players in the event. So we actually have we have a weighting based upon uh the average rating of those top fifteen. And in the case of the women, I think it's uh top five. Uh just because of depth of field. But um so while a Euro Tour event might be in there, finishing first in a Euro Tour event with an average rating of say nine eighty among the time top fifteen. Um, wouldn't be the same as, you know, winning the Las Vegas or Memorial, which I think the top 15 average in some cases top 10, 20. So, so we take that into account in terms of strength of field. So when I look at someone who is relatively new to the power rankings and, uh, and is moving up because he is playing so well in the last three or four months, and I'm thinking of Calvin Heimberg. Um, when I, when I look at him in the world rankings, um, he does not have anything in his net column yet. Uh, correct. He's he's only played one national tour event so far. Um, Right. And and that's, he's he's got like, um, let's see. It's the, oh, okay. The net is average of a player's four best finishes in NT and ET events during the past 12 months, by the way. So that will include last year's data as it cycles out. In other words, you know, until sure. until a new um, net event uh, ends up, uh, you know, getting posted, then the whatever whatever events are in that from the previous year, you know, less than twelve months or you know more than twelve months now, will you know will roll out of it. So. so- uh, and, For and the again, next, that's another reason. Until we get Pro Worlds again, Eagle McMahon's world ranking is pretty much stuck. Exactly. Although and my, then, my hope would be, my hope would be that um, we will be persuading the competition committee that indeed the. Um, the person's lowest finish, and that applies to everyone on there. So, like, for example, sure. you know, Simon. And and what it would be is only the majors because the so net – So you'd, you'd, net drop out Paul McBeth, th- you'd drop out Paul McBeth third at the U.S. Open, which is his worst showing in the last 12 months. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you should have seen – I mean, if you looked at the world rankings in some previous years, you had a situation where I think he had one across the board. Well, it probably was 2015. There's probably yeah. at least some times where, where, uh, he smoked. Not only that, um, he, 
he had now if you notice with you wonder why how does Ricky Wasaki have you know point eight? Well, the reason is a first place in an event with a um, average strength of field of ten twenty has a multiplier you know that is less than one. So that that is that just shows you how you know the not only has he won but he's won in the solid strength of field. Yeah. As opposed to say somebody else, maybe one of the European players uh, that um, that's in there, where they had, uh, you know, I guess you probably have to scroll fairly far down there, but you know, you've got some situations where, um, you know, finishing first in a Euro event might not be as good as sixth in a, say, the Memorial. We're looking at uh, right now, based on how people do over the last three events, it looks like it's either Paul or Ricky will have had the best season for 2018. I think I think that seems to be what's what we're what we're saying. Would you agree? Well, you know, other than the fact there's, I mean, there's a huge amount of points on the line. You know, just bing, bing, bing well, in the next. Oh, no, 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 I'm just saying if, if we're if we're if we're making bets, we'd we'd probably oh, bet on yeah. them. Of course, yeah. um, Eagle, Greg Barsby, Nate Sexton, even Simon Lazat. If they if they win two out of the next three, they they've got a real claim to saying, "Hey, I had the best 2018." Is there anybody else uh, you would include in that list? Man, uh, it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed. I'd have to look at the world ranking list here and find situations where people didn't you know, either had a bad result in USDGC, you know, that would flip the scale. Um, you know, you got, yeah, I mean, even, you know, Simon, let's say Simon won the USDGC. Um, you'd probably have to take a look at the stats and see, but, man, that, that 24th is still sitting there. And, again, for Eagle, that 37th is still sitting there. I mean, yeah, they're they're basically done in the power in the world rankings until until next year. Well, until 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 we go to Ledge, uh, Ledgestone, go to, go to Peoria for uh, for the for Pro Worlds, and then they can can adjust that number. Well, or I, I, or or you would tell the competition committee to adjust the the way we figure things out. Yeah, I, I would say that there's a higher probability that that will happen before him sitting with a 37. Until next month. <laughs> That's the bet uh, mainly, Kennedy will take. Well, mainly mainly because we've got um, you know uh, we've got Nate Ledstone. Nate is is uh, on the board and is also now overseeing the competition committee. And I, I know this is something that is a concern of his. So we'll we'll see you know this type of decision may have to run through the board and we got the summit meeting coming up so i'm i'm thinking we might have some resolution on this my thought would be though that if it happens it might only happen for starting next year i mean that's typically what happens with some of the pdj decisions as you're probably aware is that you know yeah. it it'll start for the competition season so so he may be you know, everybody on there might be sitting with their lowest, you know, item. And and by the way, the, it would only be dropped. The player would have to have at least three uh, entries, or maybe even four, in the yeah um, absolutely column, yep. in the column. Other otherwise, like say like Presnell, you know, Presnell sitting in with that twelve, you know, until next Worlds. Because you know, right. because he he doesn't he would he wouldn't have enough. We would not drop that out because you know, it's still good data. I mean, it's still good data indicating somebody's performance at some time. Thank you very much, Chuck. I loved being able to talk with you about the men and their rankings and their ratings and and have a really good in-depth discussion tomorrow on the podcast. We'll talk about the women and discuss ratings versus rankings. So everybody tune into that, and uh, we'll get back with Chuck again tomorrow. This has been Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. 
If you like what we're doing, go ahead and give us a review. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and tell a friend about it. Let's spread the word about disc golf. Thank you all very much. Have a great night.